0: While the students tune in on The Generation Gap, there's an electrocharged meeting of the minds. A high speed computer accidentally drains its brain into a not so bright campus clown who becomes a socket shocked human computer. Now the tennis shoes are on the computer and the laughs are on the establishment as they try to cash in on his super brain. This high speed computer game is programmed for fun, geared for action. And set to beat the establishment.
1: Welcome everyone to the Medfield College Film Society. I'm Jeff Crawford and I'm happy to welcome you to season two of this podcast. I would like to welcome my society members along with me. First, in the mountains of North Carolina, Mr. Andy Brown. How you doing, Andy? I'm doing well, Jeff Crawford. I'm so excited to be here this evening and I'm excited to talk about this film. It's always exciting. We've had a great summer of movies, and Andy, you just, you got to pick the last one. How does it feel to, to pilot one of these episodes yourself?
2: It was not easy, but it was a lot of fun, and uh, I'm looking forward to the next time I get to do it. Well, I'm sure that will happen. Now, down
1: to the swamps of Central Florida we go. Michael Crawford, how's it going tonight?
0: It is going well. Rested and relaxed and ready to go. And to the Queen City of Charlotte, North Carolina, is
1: Mr. Robert McSwain, the founder of our podcast. Robert, how's
3: it going? Season two. Season two. I said it never would happen.
1: That's right. We're, <laughs> uh, we're here. We're improved. We have all kinds of crazy new features and catchphrases. Not really. Yeah. But anyway. It, it was a fun summer, though, to to go into these different movies and kind of different, a little change of pace. But I'm I'm glad to be back in the world of the feature film. Uh, boys,
0: did you uh, have any favorite moments of the summer? As always, I take great pleasure in introducing people to the Musketeers at Walt Disney World because yes. I'm a bad person yes yes indeed well i
3: i take great pleasure in introducing people to ollie hop noodles haven of bliss which got completely <laughs> panned on twitter <laughs> one of our loyal listeners said i don't think i could do this guys. sorry
0: <laughs> i love that it had a rep in advance there was already trepidation people That's just right. had like a they couldn't That's even right. remember why but they just had this sort of lingering uh lingering uh, caution about ollie yes. hop Noodle.
2: I take no pleasure in introducing anyone to Descendants, so I, I apologize. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and it was great to have Joey Kramer on uh, for an interview. We'd like to thank him again for his time uh, being with us. That was a lot Joey. of fun. Joey! Yes, it was a real pleasure to sit down and talk with him about some stuff. All right, so here we go. Season two, press play. Michael, what are we watching tonight?
0: Tonight, we are watching the 1969 Disney classic, The Computer Wore Tennis Shoes, starring Disney legend Kurt Russell as Dexter Riley, Cesar Romero as A.J. Arno, and a bevy of iconic character actors, including Joe Flynn as Dean Higgins, William Shallert as Professor Quigley, Alan Hewitt as Dean Collingsgood, and Richard Backelian as Chile. It uh, also incidentally and uh, randomly features legendary voiceover actor Frank Welker, yes, Megatron himself, as Henry, one of Dexter's pals, and another uh, prolific voice actor and Disney veteran, Pete Renaday, as a cop, Uh Lieutenant Hannah. Now, you may know Pete Renaday as the voice of Henry, the host of the country Bear Jamboree. He was also, Mm. I believe, Captain Nemo on 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. And also involved in Discovery Bay, among other things. So, a lot of a lot of talent there. Wow. Uh, the film, yeah, yeah. And uh, slipping- hey, we got to return
1: to Medfield College, you know.
0: Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, the film was produced by Disney legend Bill Anderson and directed by Robert Butler, who has an enormous list of film and television credits, including the original pilot for Star Trek. which I was surprised by. Uh, For Disney, he directed The Barefoot Executive, Scandalous John, Now You See Him, Now You Don't, and Hot Lead and Cold Feet. (laughs) (laughs) A Don Knotts classic. It was written by Joseph McIvity, who was an assistant director on many Disney films, including Mary Poppins, and who also wrote a number of Disney films, including the entire Dexter Riley trilogy. (laughs) Uh, The film tells the story of Dexter Riley, a below-average student at Medfield College, who, after an accident during an electrical storm, becomes a living computer.
1: And Uh, is this the first uh, installment of the Dexter Riley trilogy?
0: Yes. This is the first of three Dexter Riley films that Kurt Russell made for Disney, uh, each one involving some superpower that he obtains from a scientific mishap, and uh, hijinks ensue, obviously. And And it's around the time he does the uh, Haunted Mansion special as well, right? Yes. In fact, I think it's the same year, I want to say. Maybe not the same year. Uh, But it is around the time that he does the Disneyland Showtime episode, yeah, where they go through the Haunted Mansion with the Osmonds and E.J. Peeker. Who's E.J. Peeker? (laughs)
3: Uh, I was hoping you'd
0: say that. Uh, And as you mentioned, this is uh, another movie with good old Medfield College, which first appeared in The Absent-Minded Professor, which you can learn more about in the inaugural episode of our podcast. Uh, But all the campus scenes this time, aside from the first establishing shot, were filmed on the Disney lot in Burbank, uh, with the students hanging around outside the old animation building and on the porch of the commissary. And one uh, one last interesting fact is that the static photograph that they have outside the window of Dean Higgins' office is the same image that they used for the view from Walt Disney's fake office in episodes of The Wonderful World of Disney TV show. Oh. So they used the same oh. prop for his office here. I would like to add that Robert Brunner and Bruce Belland
1: were on tap for the music and the song. The computer the war the computer war tennis shoes and they were also responsible for boatniks oh, that Bo-Nicks. makes so much sense so I I have a question uh, for Andy Andy yep. yes sir I, I'm assuming you haven't seen this before right that's correct this was my first time okay so now that you've been through a year of watching these movies and especially some from this period, did you have a sense of the, some of the vernacular? I mean, there were some of the same actors from absent-minded professor, maybe some other movies thrown in. Uh, Did you uh, kind of say, I don't know what's happening
2: here. I know what I'm in for. Uh, that's a good (laughs) question. I really, I don't think I noticed that there were same actors from previous films. Um, But I mean, it had the same kind of feel. And, you know, of course, being in the med field, and I I was there was a few things that happened in this one that I felt were almost callbacks to Absent Minded Professor.
0: Yeah. But uh, like you say, Jeff, uh, and a lot of these people had been in films before, some in the films that we've seen, and a lot appear, especially during the 70s movies. Oh, yeah. The three Dexter Riley movies, and even some adjacent movies, they pop up a lot. So it, there is a, a familiar feel for sure. I the will Disney. say this.
2: It was one of the, I noticed, you know how I've said this before that I'm a big fan of the Andy Griffith show. And there are a lot of Andy Griffith show actors in this movie. And uh, I will bring those up as we get to them.
1: All right. Well,
2: Andy, do you have a, a, a non-spoiler
1: reaction to this film that we can get from you?
2: Sure. Um, this, I, I I was disappointed that there was not more the, the title was misleading. I was when I went into this movie thinking this is gonna be like a sports, like a computer sports movie. <laughs> and so
0: <No, laughs> cool. Sabermetrics movie.
2: <laughs> yeah. It was so the title is very misleading. Uh just that's a complaint of mine. But um this was a movie that I have connected with on many ways because uh in my profession I'm work with computers and so there are some things that uh, i really just kind of know just kind of in in a way not really hit close to home but i don't know it was just kind of familiar feeling um so yeah i i I, we'll get to it
1: all right well we should get to it let's go into the world of the computer war tennis shoes
0: Wore tennis shoes and a twinkle in his eye Never met a groovier dude and electric kind of guy Socket shot and soundly socked him to a real cerebral
3: high Blowing his mind into the kind That leaves old Einstein wigging out behind
0: We begin with an incredible song that I can't really do justice, as Jeff mm. mentioned. Uh, never met a groovier dude, an electric kind of guy, blowing his mind into the kind that leaves Einstein wigging out behind. It's a, <laughs> it's a great song. I think this has to be the uh, most iconic theme song we've had yet of oh, any yeah. of the films we've watched.
1: It's funny how different it is from Boat Nicks, but it's the same team. I mean, you know, they're both iconic in their own ways that's for sure
0: absolutely they bust out the
1: rhymes on this one one. is simplicity and one has is dense
0: you know super (laughs) dense and again with the the real six late 60s vibe he's turning on every chick in town so it's a little
2: you know entendre and something i picked up from it was is the graphics you know they have a lot of squares punch and card but, yeah, yeah. It looked, exactly it made me think of the programming the old programming punch cards used to program computers hanging yes. chads
0: that's right <laughs> these animated ch- credits <laughs> yeah lots of old computer imagery which i thought was kind of fun and like the uh sort of cascading numbers kind of matrix style but yeah I, that's what i case. said in my
3: notes here, i really want that that punch card as a uh, screensaver
0: oh yeah that's scroll,
3: scrolling punch card the graphic that, that was going in the background.
0: Of, IBM numeral font. Uh, Anyway, we open in our beloved Medfield College where a board meeting is underway. Professor Quigley wants a new computer, and Dean Higgins is chewing him out about how they can't afford it. He is apparently invested heavily in live frogs for biolab and new Bunsen burners for chemistry class, and there's nothing left for something as extravagant as a computer. It's a luxury (laughs) they cannot afford. One but quick. a
3: computer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> a computer? Are
2: you crazy? A,
3: a computer?
2: <laughs> yeah. So Professor Quigley, I, I, as soon as I saw him, I said, hey, there's Sam from uh, the Andy Griffith show from the episode Quiet Sam. Do you guys remember that one? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: Also Patty Duke's dad. Yes. And, and also uh, was in an episode of Deep Space Nine where he oh. was like a Bajoran <laughs> clarinetist. <laughs> so he, he has a career that spans the years. He has a personality of a Bajoran clarinetist. It's very, he's very reasoned. He really measured. is. Yeah, He's he's the sensible one, yes. Yeah. Little does the dean know, however, that the floral arrangement on the table has been bugged, and we cut to some students outside listening to the conversation on the walkie-talkie. As I said, they're outside the old animation building on the studio lot, and they're all in very splendid Uh, early 70s garb late 60s early 70s garb there's a lot of uh, fringe a lot of turtleneck action so much turtleneck in this movie and it made me very jealous yes has the most turtleneck (laughs) uh, yes ratio of any movie we've seen there's especially dexter later has a turtleneck blazer combo that is quite envious. absolutely yes and the mustard turtleneck especially yes Absolutely. Lots of earth tones. Uh back in the meeting, Quigley says that state gives an entire course in computer technology. That Medfield must modernize or fall behind. Uh Regent Deets, who is ancient, is barely able to stand up and says modernization isn't everything before <laughs> collapsing again. Sit down, old man. Yeah. So
3: this is the this is the Medfield College of Technology, correct?
0: <laughs> yes. Not much technology. So, well, they got those live frogs and have yeah,
1: got frogs
3: though. So that's good. But uh, I mean,
1: it's uh, when they when they cut to this, it it feels like we're coming way into the middle of something, and we should know these characters, especially the ones outside listening in. That's why I asked if this was the first of these the series. It just feels like a familiarity that they're giving you that you don't have yet. It's like who are these that's people? a really good point.
0: Yeah, it would make much more sense if it was the second or third, and you already knew who all these people were. That's a very good point. Uh, As we see, Higgins says, the college budget is in trouble. The bankers won't even return his phone calls. There's unrest everywhere, and it's tough to be a dean. There's unrest. Uh, The students are still listening in, and they're clearly on Quigley's side. And we see why when some of the regents start talking about removing the dead wood, The (laughs) 'er quote-unquote ne'er-do-wells who should be expunged from the college to keep Medfield competitive. 60s, man. Yeah. To which I ask, what are your admissions policies, Medfield College? How do these people get in there? Uh, You can't kick them out after the fact. But Quigley sticks up for the students, saying that the not gifted students have the same needs as the gifted students. And he wants to capture the imagination of the students. But Higgins has a list of kids he wants to put on probation. He reads the list, and this is how we meet our heroes, Dexter Riley and his band of pals. That man's all hate, says his friend Skylar. The kids say they'd love to somehow get the computer for Quigley, which would also send Higgins through the roof, but the computer costs $10,000. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, unthinkable sum. Shazam. Well, Uh, I did the
3: inflation on that. It's roughly $70,000 in today's money. Oh, wow, for
2: a single, for a for a a single computer, computer. <laughs> yeah, that's about right. Hey, but do you guys also notice that they kicked
3: out Keith Richards? Yeah, I got that in my notes there. They <laughs> almost the, <laughs> I was like, Whoa, <laughs> I mean, that makes sense, yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> be, yeah, yeah, especially
3: in '69. I'm sure he was really, uh, yeah, yeah.
0: you want to talk about a near do well, He never, never comes to class, <laughs> dead wood. <laughs> so the computer is being sold by AJ Arno, who's an investment big shot. In oh town. boy. Here we go. The yeah.
3: investment firms are in this town.
0: <laughs> no. Well, this goes back to absent-minded professor where we're wondering how, exactly how big is Medfield and how much action is going on around town? Because like Alonzo Hawk had all those big bets coming in on the high school basketball game. So
3: who He's knows? Laying Maybe the bets with AJ,
0: AJ, <laughs> AJ's like the, uh, the upper crust kind of, uh, yeah alonzo hawk of medfield (laughs) so uh dexter says he used to be a janitor at arno's company and he thinks they could talk arno into donating the computer to medfield outright makes sense sure so we cut to arno's office where whistler's mother looks on (laughs) Which (laughs) which is a nice touch uh arno says he loves medfield but he's already giving them 20 grand a year and he couldn't throw the computer in on top of that. But after a big moment of performative contemplating, he says he likes their spunk. And if he really thinks about it, he might be able to work something out. And I might be wrong,
1: but like he doesn't have anything but Whistler's mother on this, on those walls of his office. That's like, yeah.
3: It's like <laughs> yeah. That was suspicious black. right there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Something's definitely up there
0: mid-century paneling also i'll say that arno has like weird uh latin american walt disney vibes
1: yes yes
0: yeah he's just giving me those walt vibes throughout he's, yeah, he's being walt the vibes. big uh fluffy businessman with his friends in his office so after the kids
2: leave arno opens a secret door
0: in his office
3: batman right. style
2: right here's where the movie changed for me because I'm thinking, you know, this is just, I did not know, first of all, this was a crime related movie at all. And so, <laughs> as soon as Whistler's mother's separated and the song, that little music cue was played, I was like, oh. I was immediately in. I was like, this just went a different direction than my expectations. And so I actually got very excited at this point.
3: I can't read you, Andy, man. I was sitting there watching this going, Andy's going to think this is so stupid.
2: That's, I've lowered my bars so much. Right. We've, we've probably we've dragged Andy's
3: bar down. Uh, it's Everything
0: is relative. Uh, incidentally, the director of this movie, uh, did direct a bunch of, uh, episodes of the Batman TV show. So I wonder if that's oh. where the, uh, hidden elevator came oh, from. But, yeah. Uh,
2: I, I think, think in my notes, I put this just got interesting
0: is what I read. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, clearly there's something going on because the elevator takes Arno down to what is obviously a nefarious counting house for illicit activity. There is a real beauty of a giant computer that the computer tech switches on, and it begins reporting the earnings from all their criminal enterprises. Uh, Arno tells his assistant not to send the promised 20 Gs to Medfield, that it's all taken care of. Mm. So, back at Medfield, Quigley's computer lab is being filled with a ton of computer equipment. Computers were very complicated and come in lots of parts, apparently. Uh, there's a timely Cold War joke about how Quigley is such a slave driver. If he had been in charge of that Russian five-year plan, they would have made it. They uh, <laughs> also make a joke about how next time they'll do something easy, like hijacking a Cuban airliner. Whoa.
3: Yeah, a, Whoa. Seemed a little, maybe a little too soon. <laughs> easy, <Yeah>. easy. <laughs> oh boy!
0: Really, uh, uh, there are a couple of jokes in this movie that I'm like, man, they're they're uh, they're t- they're topical in this one, man.
3: So that's. <laughs> I want to add something here. So first of all, this is a, they said this was a third hand. This is a, a hand me down, hand me down computer. Yeah. So, okay. But yeah, on a side note here, my dad worked as an accountant at a company that sold commercial lawnmowers, but that's beside the point, but they wanted a computer in the late seventies and they had, they had to put it into a giant room. They had to move a bunch of the people's offices out just to make room for the computer. And they bought it from WBTV for ten grand, And he said it, it never did anything. It just sort of sat there and whirled and made noise. And everyone was like, oh, that's our computer. So it was just <laughs> bizarre like need for giant computers back then.
0: But, the secondhand computers you get from WBTV. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder what WBTV was doing with a computer.
3: I don't know what they needed a giant computer for.
0: <laughs> they needed it to compute Mike McKay. Uh, (laughs) that's that's for the zero zero one percent of our listeners uh so dean higgins shows up in the computer lab and he silently shoves a letter in quigley's face it's from arno saying how much he loved talking to the students and in lieu of his typical twenty thousand dollar contribution he's
2: sending the computer instead okay can you uh, let's stop there I, i didn't understand this why what what's his reasoning there?
0: Yeah, I could not ah, figure. I, I didn't get it that, either.
2: Yeah, like
0: it, they never say that he's like, oh, we're buying a new computer. We need to get rid of this
2: one anyway. Right. So I, let's just do that. Exactly. I didn't understand why he had it to begin with. Yeah, he had some information on there, but so and then second, I didn't ever understand why he donated it. But I was, I mean, I was able to let that logic fly past me and still. So, you know keep going yeah well so.
0: you're becoming accustomed to it yeah but, but yeah it's kind of pitched as a way for him to get out of donating 20,000 bucks but it's still like he still needs a computer one would assume so they yeah they needed a line where he's like well we're getting in this sweet new computer we need to ditch this old one anyway so just <laughs> got this laptop yeah <laughs> <laughs> So Higgins is not happy about any of this. He says the kids have cost the school $20,000 and he's going to be watching them. So he's,
2: yeah,
0: yeah, he's a little intense. Yes. Sit on it, Higgins. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Back in class, Quigley is teaching about computers and talking about how they're an imitation of the human brain complete with an illustration of how the parts of the computer match the parts of the brain. Oh, man. Computers are going to replace us, man. They're going to replace us. Well, he set up an out. experiment Terminator. to show how they can <laughs> replace uh, us. Uh, he's programmed a kind of proto nest system <laughs> that will detect <laughs> rainfall and, in turn, close the window of a house, <laughs> open the door to let the cat in, and automatically dial the telephone and play a pre recorded
2: grocery order. A little bit of the if this, then that. Huh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> in so many words, yes. Uh, he also conspicuously points out that a big point in favor of the computer is its infallible memory. Mm, yeah. To yeah. be continued. Uh, before Arno owned the computer, it belonged to the Space Research Center at the Pacific Institute of Technology. And they send along a tape containing solutions to a series of problems that a spaceship would encounter on a mission to Saturn. I thought that was
1: so random.
0: Doesn't relate to anything at all in the movie. I thought, oh, well, we're going to go, you know, he's going to be like a space expert. No. Doesn't come up again. But another weird thing about this is he says the program was in operation 20 years ago. Yes. (laughs) Which Uh, is bizarre (laughs) because nobody was going to Saturn in
2: 1949.
0: No, it's a simulation. I mean, whatever. Yeah, simulating. What would it be like? Let's skip over.
1: Jupiter. Oh,
2: Alan Turing had just invented the cal- his calculating machine at that point, and just a few <laughs> years prior to that. So yeah, they. Uh, so as far as you
1: know, I mean, this is probably covert.
0: You know. Good point. That's yeah. true. It was the uh, yeah the secret service uh, right. building their mission to Saturn post war. <laughs> anyway, the program goes haywire and starts slamming the door and window from his previous experiment, and it short circuits the computer. <laughs> <laughs> In a flash, Higgins comes on the PA and says that the big state standardized test is coming up the next day. Hmm. And he hopes that Medfield would do better than the previous year when they came in 36 out of 37 schools in the state. Uh, question, why is college taking standardized tests, for one thing?
3: <laughs> that was my first question. Yes. Uh
0: Second, it's weird because they kind of have this joke that goes nowhere where he says, We came in 36, and then Dexter's talking to his girlfriend. He's like, Hey, there are only 37 schools in the state. Like, yeah, I wonder who came in last. And there's never like I was like, is that leading to something? No. That's just a weird. Rutland. Joke. Yeah. <laughs> we can yeah, we hope. Uh meanwhile. Quigley needs to replace the part of the computer that blew out, but he doesn't have time to make it to the electronics store that day. Uh, Dexter says he'll do it, even though it's a 70 mile drive to the uh, electronics store. Yeah, and it's, uh, I guess there aren't that many around. Uh, Quigley says that Dexter should be studying for the big test. And although Dexter says he knows it all already, Quigley persists. Dexter says that he's up to his ears with it and the fresh air of the drive will do him good. My man. We cut to later in the car where Dexter has picked up the part. It is pouring the rain and Dexter has insanely taped up notes and loose leaf paper (laughs) all over the windows of his car. He's got a pencil hanging from the ceiling by his shoelace and has his textbook up against the steering wheel and is making notes as he drives. Ah, It's a pre don't text. Don't
1: drive world. Yeah. Yeah. You do whatever you want in this course.
3: The rain effect totally looked like a blizzard when I first saw it. Like it, <laughs> yeah, I it, thought it was that not too. translating very well on, on, on screen, but continue.
0: Yes. He's uh this was before safety was for everyone. I'm surprised it didn't get a warning for this scene alone. Uh, anyway, it's storming <laughs> badly when he gets back to midfield and rain is coming in through the labs, open window, which is not smart. There are electrical cables everywhere and a high-voltage sign, and Dexter yes. is soaking wet. Brilliantly, he plugs the circuit board he picked up into the computer and, tripping over some cords in a puddle of water, grabs hold of two hanging electrical cables. <laughs> he is electrocuted, and the computer goes haywire with buttons a-blinking and tape a-spinning. He is somehow still alive, but the computer is fried, and he just kind of pieces out of the lab why was he going to install the part why was that part of the job i know it's a little extra credit there Uh, (laughs) it's just a little out of his wheelhouse (laughs) we've already established he's kind of dumb so i
3: wouldn't go you know go for that
2: yeah robert i was thinking of you i know you're you're building a a new computer right now and so i was thinking of you as i saw this part
3: i was kind of thinking of myself as well hoping that i don't (laughs) fry my brain
2: <laughs> uh, i was just hoping that you know keep your windows closed <laughs> if yeah it's raining you
3: know, <laughs> keep the standing water out of your computer room <laughs> that's, yeah
0: that's uh, please yeah, exactly. have no large lakes of standing water as you put together I'm, your computer plug in it. i'm currently
3: dropping in a couple of uh, 440 uh, volt uh, lines to run my computer
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah don't keep your exposed electric lines just hanging from the ceiling like i don't know just loose loosely hanging yeah. Uh, Later, back in his dorm, Dexter is talking in his sleep. He's giving the same readout we heard Arno's computer give earlier, punctuated by computer beeps. His roommate wakes him up to see if he's okay and says he's been beeping. Burping? Dexter asks. (sighs) Oh, beeping. Classic. Yeah, a little edgy content there. Uh, They drift back off, and the next day in the computer lab, a crew of computer experts is there trying to revive the computer that Dexter fried they're not having any luck dexter killed the ten thousand dollar computer they can't Ah. get a spark out of it man they can't get a spark out of the computer spark it up fellas quigley (laughs) is administering the state test and he points out that it is a speed test they will be graded on how many questions they answer correctly which i think is the same for every test ever (laughs) but (laughs) regardless they start (laughs) the test and Dexter's slow to start but once he gets going, we hear computer noises as he checks off the answers <laughs> one by one. I like he says,
2: he's like eating the f- food though. That's kind of a good little gag. Where he's like he's the loud one. It kind of reminded me of the Mr. Bean episode where he's kind of pulling something out of his pot. Or he's taking the test and he's being really loud. Yes. Yes. So, yeah. Totally.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's not really aware of what's going on around him because he gets quicker and quicker and he's flipping pages and almost accelerating out of control. And this is annoying everyone around him, but he's flying through the test and finally slams it shut loudly. And he seems startled. Everyone else is rolling their eyes and quickly looks confused. Uh, Dexter thinks his watch is stopped because he finished so quickly. Uh, so he takes it and like bangs it against the table really hard, which I don't, I don't know how that works. It's a sweet <laughs> watch though. Uh, very 1960s. Uh, chronometer he has. Uh, then he, starts trying to finish his girlfriend's test as well uh, because he just can't stop after she shoes him off. He awkwardly rocks in his chair a little bit. And then uh, as uh, Andy says, he noisily takes his lunch out of an enormous paper sack and he bites into a sandwich, which for some reason is incredibly crunchy sounding.
3: Yeah. It's a potato chip <laughs> sandwich.
0: <laughs> yeah. Clearly he's got like Fritos on there or something because it's, it's, it's uh, the Foley is completely out of line with the appearance of the sandwich. Uh, Finally, he gives up and we cut away. So we find Higgins and Quigley talking about Dexter. Higgins is convinced that Dexter cheated on the test somehow, but Quigley is sure that something has happened to Dexter to make him pass the test in four and a half minutes without making a mistake. They've spent 20 whole dollars on a doctor to come take a look at Dexter. (laughs) And the doctor calls them over uh, they take turns looking into Dexter's eye, through which they see B-roll of various computer banks and flashing buttons. <laughs> <laughs> this was a great moment for me, yeah. personally. Yes, yes. That cutaway.
2: Yeah. Quick note, the, the doctor who uh, examines Dexter is uh, that's Orville Monroe. It was the character name on the Andy Griffith Show who owned the funeral home. And he was also on the town council. Played oh, no by, way. Yeah, I totally didn't by, pick that up. Yeah, played by actor Jonathan Hole. Uh, Then they pull up some kind of scope to Dexter. I'm
0: not sure what it is. And on a monitor, we see a cutaway of Dexter's head uh, with his brain with computer parts, (laughs) uh, dancing girls, roulette wheels, slot machines, (laughs) and my favorite, a girl in a bikini getting into a bathtub that is also a car. That was
1: the high point of the movie for me. It's all downhill. Yeah, from here. It really, it was mean, a high
3: high water mark. <laughs> <absolutely>. That car.
1: <laughs> I mean, sorry to interrupt the, to uh, ignore the lady, but the car is what is that car? It's like a roadster with like Victorian seats, and it's like a double potted. It's it's something, man. It's that's wild. It's Like
0: if Dream Finder had a car that was also a bathtub. <laughs> in it's, the 60s it's like something from the prisoner uh, yes that, it is like, like the doesn't prisoner. make any sense whatsoever. Or willy wonka maybe yeah i mean it's, yeah. yeah also it's, willy
1: wonka yeah very uh, strange and he like gives a shrug to
2: the guys that are like looking at it like
1: yeah i mean that's it's in my head can't help it
2: yeah <laughs> yeah would you say that was early pornography on uh computers <laughs> is that just me okay Anyway, this gets Dexter on the front page of the newspaper
0: and an invite to go on a quiz show to demonstrate his skills. But he doesn't want to go. The other students say he has a responsibility to go, no matter how tough it is. Dexter's convinced it just doesn't make sense. And so, with Dexter on his way to the quiz show, we end Act 1. What will happen next?
3: Let's find out. So, Dexter is a genius. And he's on to the quiz show. So I'm, I was a little confused by the quiz show, but anyway. So Dean Higgins is wandering around before the show starts, admiring all the fat cats that have come to the uh, TV studio to witness Dexter's newfound ability. Fat cats like the mayor. Everyone is impressed <laughs> to see the mayor. Also, Councilman Cooper's there. And Supervisor Straight. And then there's Dean Collins Good.
0: Yeah, I love... Well, this is Alan Hewitt. He was uh, an Epsomine professor as the uh, military guy who was going to shoot the missiles at the Capitol building. Ah, So I'm always glad to see him
3: pop up. Okay. Every time I saw him, I kept thinking of seven, (laughs) six, (laughs) five.
0: (laughs) He's got a great voice. There's one... I I don't know if I have it in here where it is, but there's one point where he says to... uh, Dean Higgins, he calls him Eugene. Yeah. Eugene. Yeah. It's so good.
3: So, Dean Collins is the the quote, the dean of the one and only, evidently, at the state school. We never find out what state it is, it's just the state school. So, we last visited Medfield College and Rutland University, aka Duke, was the villain school uh, out to ruin Medfield. Now, state, quote unquote, is the evil antagonist school. (laughs) And I find it ironic uh, that for the four of us, all of us have some sort of affiliation with a certain school in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. That also has neighboring schools that mirror Rutland and State. state. So I, it's I, I, all I gotta, I, connected. It's, right. it's all connected, and and they keep talking about the tax dollars pouring into State.
0: It's getting
1: mad I tax just, money. Yeah,
3: you know, this mad tax money happened in 1969, I, but. Anyway, so all the major networks are there just to talk to Dexter. So there's this rule in Foley work here. And there's the next scene, uh, Dexter's sitting down in front of all the mics. So the rule <laughs> of, in Foley is that when there's a hot mic present, you always have feedback. At oh, yeah. The same feedback. high frequency always that you Ooh, have to yeah. do it whenever there's a mic in a scene. And I love that the guy steps into frame and just moves one mic, and the feedback stops. <laughs> yeah, so, I made a note that you would very, that.
2: yeah, very
1: inaccurate. Yeah, well, <laughs> there's too much to go into there, but yeah, it, it's it's a it's a gag that I, I had to text Robert about it because.
3: But but no, let's let's go into it because I'm going to go into the weeds here for this one. So. <laughs>
1: well, he grabs one mic, right, and the guy moves the other mic for one, right?
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but for video and audio, you never have monitors in the room. It's so there's no way to have feedback and it's in a studio because the sounds go into the control room and it just, yeah, it makes, it, it made me mad. But, well, let's go in the weeds even further.
2: What if there were monitors in that room? <laughs> why would there be monitors in the room? I'm not, I'm not saying why. Well, okay. Well, because the, maybe there's some people who are hard of hearing.
0: <laughs> Maybe that a regent is there, that old regent. That
2: old guy who said that modernization was ridiculous or whatever. I reason.
3: worked at, at the rival WBTV back in my early days, and we never had any kind of hot microphone feed into a monitor in a, in a studio oh, where there were cameras.
2: This is so
0: 1969. This is because you didn't have any awkward people, because it's the international <laughs> sign for being awkward. It's <laughs> getting microphone feedback somehow it feeds off the awkwardness oh, see I, I bought into it i felt there
2: were monitors there so yeah you
3: know. it would create an echo andy come
2: on it was a different time it was the 60s man 60s thing
3: True. same feedback though a, a skeptical professor from Ooh. purdue so there, purdue is is relevant in, <laughs> in this universe tries to tangle dexter up in a calculus problem dexter answers it with ease Dexter scoffs at the panel and asks everyone to quit applauding for its delaying uh, the whole process. Uh, I think he said a total of 39 seconds have been wasted through applause. <laughs> then he mocks them for wasting his time talking about mathematics, that he is capable of talking about any number of subjects.
1: Jeez, man, Dexter's Jeez. changing. Goes to his head real fast.
3: <laughs> and his girlfriend, which we never really understood, the girlfriend thing to me was a little fuzzy because, but we'll get into that later here in this uh, act.
2: I think it was fuzzy <laughs> to Dexter, too.
3: <laughs> They're noticing that Dexter's getting quite cocky uh, with his newfound knowledge. So we get a nice little headline Medfield Marvel tours country, arrives in New York after day at White House. And Jeff, what did you think of these little uh, musical cues that they were oh, using man. with the headlines?
1: Uh, just loving it. Loving it. Having a great time. I love also love the newspaper, the constant newspaper wipes that they're using to get from scene to scene. Uh, this is the second time that's happened. Where There were a lot of them. That's
0: yeah, true. Yeah.
3: So Dexter lands in quote-unquote Gotham, and the press <laughs> is waiting on him, similar to how the press... We're waiting on the Beatles when they arrived at JFK.
1: Yes. Hey, this is where we get the uh, first double-breasted uh, blazer moment. Not the last, but uh, one of Combo pin- turtleneck. A- and the pinstripes. Double-breasted pinstripe blazer.
2: Yeah. And the, and the airport reporter. Uh, that's Mayberry Hotel Clerk and Choir Director John Masters.
0: Yes, it is.
2: <laughs> yes,
3: it is. <laughs> so the... Dexter is greeted by two ladies from Yonkers. Oh, yes. I, I didn't know if there was a joke there, but it, it seemed that they, why they made it Yonkers. But Dexter starts just laying it on him. I mean, <laughs>
2: it's the 60s, man.
3: It's the 60s, free love. And his uh, his girlfriend, like I said, who was, it was kind of unclear whether or not, because if that's his girlfriend, I think she would have been like, all right, well, I'm through with that loser. But she seemed to be kind of like, oh, he's making out with two girls from Yonkers. Okay. That's not cool, but oh, that
0: Dexter. Yeah. Oh, don't worry. He doesn't mean, they don't mean nothing to him. Baby. When in Rome, they came <laughs> down for Woodstock.
3: <laughs> so Dexter gets a ticker tape parade through what I would assume is the Canyon of Heroes. Meanwhile, a band is playing Anchors Away, the Naval Academy fight song. Uh, if anything, you, it would seem reasonable that they would be playing the Medfield College fight song. I think so. pointing that out. But the Naval Academy was was maybe getting a ticker tape parade at the same time. I don't know.
0: Oh, that's true. It's like a catch-all parade.
3: Yeah, it seems like
1: ticker tape parade would be a bigger deal than a guy. I mean, maybe not. Maybe they just... Did more ticker tape raise.
3: Well, I'm glad you pointed that out, Jeff, because I did look it up because I was confused because I was wondering the same thing, and it was a huge deal back in the 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s, and they were throwing them constantly in New York. Anytime a head of state was in town, like there was like the the prime minister of you know whatever was huh. got got one, and I didn't like from some country I'd never even heard of in the in the 50s, hmm. and uh, like so anytime anybody was in New York, they were. <laughs> throwing parades for him so maybe tv it wasn't hadn't so taken it off yet so things were kind yeah. of slow yeah yeah <laughs> dean higgins is watching at home with glee as dexter parades down broadway higgins thinks dexter needs to be pushing the school more quigley thinks he's pushing it too much He could have had a I mean, i'm kind of with higgins there He could have had a pin it or something i mean don't be but, with yeah. higgins
1: man don't be with higgins don't be it <laughs> Your
3: Higgins is uh, patting himself on the back. The universal encyclopedia who happens to sponsor the college knowledge program shows up to talk to Dean Higgins. How did Dean Higgins get to be in charge? I don't understand this guy. So if I was on board with him, I'm not anymore because he's yeah. Higgins goes out and is kissing the universal encyclopedia president's rear end. The college knowledge plot finally makes its first appearance in the movie.
0: Yeah, the college knowledge program is weirdly high stakes, apparently. Oh yeah, yeah. super intense. Quiz bowl is a big deal in this universe.
1: That's a lot of a lot of cheddar, a lot of cheddar. You know, I could buy you a, a few computers. You know,
2: nothing about the basketball team. Just wanted to say.
3: Yes. Meanwhile. Back in New York City, Dexter is hanging out at the UN, speaking with UN members in their <laughs> native tongue. It's amazing. It's just
1: a blue screen of him in front of the UN with some people, like, double clasp handshaking them with a the, with the real blue screen. Again, in the double-breasted uh, pinstripe suit. It's great. And it's, is, yeah. is
3: it common knowledge that French is the official language of the UN? Because I don't think it is. I, I had to go it do is. some digging on that, but... I, th- I thought there were several official languages, but
0: is is it really I think it is, or it was mm. at some point
3: yeah. I, th- yeah I mean well, according to my findings, sometime in the fifties, the security council voted in like five official languages
0: oh okay,
3: but French was not one of them, I don't think, but it seemed strange that they so anyway, <laughs> if you can't speak French, you can get out. That's right. Dean Collins Good is watching the news as Dexter is attempting to master every language in the world. Collins Good wants Dexter to transfer. So they can advance the research or solve mathematical equations, or they could do a number of things with Dexter, but the only reason they want him there uh, is to win the college knowledge. That's that's like (laughs) the first thing they want to check off the box, is to get Dexter at their school, be it Medfield or State to win the college knowledge is not to to do anything else. So I, I thought that was a kind of selfish uh, act, but we'll get to that later. That's a, That becomes a plot point. So there's $100,000 at stake, and Collins Goods sends the football coach, sends for the football coach to come in to help, quote-unquote, recruit Dexter because that makes sense. Um, <laughs> college coach would be able to recruit an academic, right, to come to school. Sure, sure. Yeah. They love the
0: jokes about the football program. They love it. That's always gold.
3: Now, Dexter is at the Long Street Jewelry Salon, and they're (laughs) about to cut the Calcutta Blue Diamond. And we get Sidman Van Dyke, a.k.a. the band director from Freaky Friday, doing his shtick. This guy. This guy. That's so
0: excited. Mouth-popping guy.
1: Yep. See, I was ready for the pop this time, because you told me, Michael. That this guy always did the pop, so I was ready. Always oh, got to have that pop, man. I'm
0: so excited. I think he's Signature in a Herbie. Mood. He's in a Herbie too. So uh
3: <laughs>
0: we'll we may see him again someday.
3: <laughs> so they're doing lots of cuts back and forth in, uh, in this whole sequence between Dexter on his tour and Collins Good and Higgins watching the tour unfold on TV. Higgins is watching the diamond cutting on TV and patting himself on the back again because they're going to win the college knowledge tournament with Dexter on board quickly informs him that Dexter, in fact, has not enrolled in the next quarter. So there's trouble afoot. Where is Dexter going to end up? Is he going to go to state? Is he going to go to Medfield, or is he going to go out on his own?
0: Is this when Higgins is like eating like roast beef or something? He's got like a TV dinner or something in front of the TV. It's kind of gross.
3: Dexter tells the diamond cutter that he's about to mess up the diamond and cut the wrong angle. The diamond cutter scoffs at him and tells him to, you know, he motions for him to leave and makes a, a, a swishing sound with his. Cause that's, I guess that's, that's the actor's whole shtick is to make noises with his mouth. It's bizarre. And then he pulls out with a, a, a blade and a, a, I've never, I guess this must be common knowledge for diamond cutters. So if any of you listeners who cut diamonds for a living, let us know if this is accurate. <laughs> he hit it with like a, it uh, look like a bottle <laughs> or something. I mean, <laughs> and it shatters into a thousand pieces uh, I mean, who knew, knew there
1: was such a difference between uh,
0: cuts? You know, that's a
1: pretty yeah.
3: pretty big difference.
0: I like how he's got his like little diagram of like where he's going to cut and everything, <laughs> like a little blueprint. This makes me nervous. This seemed like makes me like. I remember as a kid, it always made me like really nervous because they build it up as like what's going to happen. <laughs>
2: right. I wonder who's the world's most foremost diamond jewelry cutter now. Uh-huh. <laughs> Just made me uh-huh. wonder that. It's like oh, that was a big deal. I mean, they is made it a computer? Deal. Maybe we can. Yeah, <laughs>
0: it's yeah, a computer. Ten thousand dollar computer. Maybe we can interview them.
3: Yeah,
2: let's find that guy or gal. We
3: get an, we get another headline transition with another great music cue. This time the headline reads: Dexter Riley visits Cape Kennedy, last stop on national tour. Dexter is on the phone with AJ as the Saturn V is launching. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the footage of the Saturn
3: V is quite breathtaking. I'll admit, uh, oh, yeah. Dexter arrives back at Medfield, and Annie is there to meet with him, and he blows her off. And his friends they confront him, and Annie wants to go to the lake with him, but he's just too busy.
0: Dexter's changed, man. Point out that the plane that he arrives on is Walt Disney's personal plane. Oh, uh, that he used to scout out the Florida property when they were going to buy all the land for Disney World, not and uh, so they just had that plane at hand. There was also a weird extra in the scene that I was strangely drawn to. There was in the gang of friends. There's this girl that we never see again. I don't think with like really long, straight, like black hair. She's wearing like a black trench coat, yes. like leather trench yes. coat, and these little round, like dark purple glasses. And I don't know who she is. She's like this goth spy that wandered into the background <laughs> in in California in her long leather trench coat. It's really I don't know. She really stood out to me. Somebody from state. Maybe so. <laughs> it yeah. Be, yeah. It's like like three little kids like on each other's shoulders in like a long trench coat from State. <laughs> I gotta get back and watch that
3: scene. Yeah, she's in there. Dexter goes to the track with AJ and is betting on the ponies now, looking at things like weight, distance, past performance. He can pick the winner every time. Seems Analytics, done. man. Yep. Yep, doing the saber
0: metrics on them horses.
3: AJ's goon is not buying it, but he places the bet on Market Doodle to win. A little continuity error here. The horse race begins, and the horse numbers keep changing color from black to white. Uh, so there were <laughs> several uh, cuts between an actual horse race they used. Uh, number they eight, wait, Mark
2: uh, I was gonna say, why did Dexter go to the track with Arno?
3: That is a good question. I didn't quite understand that either. Other than Arno. I yeah, used saw, to work for him. You know, yeah, he, just he used to work him. for him and saw. Is that, is that what, okay. It's a
0: typical good time with your old boss who donated a yeah. computer to your college. Go hit up the horse races. I guess so. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> have a have a sub. Have a
2: hoagie. <laughs> Get a hoagie. Get you a sandwich.
1: <laughs> he was really, he really digging into that hoagie while the while the race is going on.
3: Yeah, Kurt Russell's quite an eater. So, Markadoodle takes the race on a come from behind victory. Dexter sits confidently eating his hoagie. Never a doubt in his mind who was going to win because he used his analytics to figure it out. AJ's goon takes Dexter out for pizza to pay him back for winning twenty eight thousand dollars at the track. Man, but wait! What about this
1: pizza restaurant? I got so much to say about Garibaldi's. <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, shouldn't uh, I feel like the Dexter maybe got shortchanged here? Instead of maybe getting a free pizza dinner, he should have at least gotten a percentage of the twenty-eight thousand he won, or maybe a well, handsome tip or something. Yeah. From
0: like having your goon take somebody out for pizza is not like a real reward. Like here, you get to go have pizza with my like greasy goon. Enjoy,
3: as Dexter leaves for how do you pronounce the name of the restaurant?
0: Garibaldi's.
3: Yes, Higgins and Collins good show up to fight over Dexter. A side note: I felt I didn't. I'll I'll ask Michael for confirmation, but it looked like in the background of the uh, of the street there it looked like the Hawk Mansion in the in the background.
0: Yeah, this is the residential street at the studio. Got Ned Brainerd's house. Got uh uh. Betsy's house all all that stuff is on on here. But I'll say that first Garibaldi's is an awfully swank place to go for pizza. Yes. Oh man. Yeah. As in that there's valet parking and like chandeliers and stuff. <laughs> yes. Also, you go in and immediately there's an enormous room of gambling. Great. <laughs> kind of behind a curtain, but not really, but clearly this is not like a secret because everyone in town is there. There's valet parking for the gambling place and it's just kind of wide open. It's like the Canto by, uh, pizza parlor.
3: <laughs> yes, it is. Dexter pulls up in a 1969 Mustang Mach one. Higgins rolls in with a VW Carmen Gia. Nice. And he has to have a bungee cord holding his door shut. And Collins Good shows up in what appears to be a 69 Lincoln Continental because of all the state money. As Michael points out, this is no regular pizza joint. This is a gambling establishment uh, with an enormous gambling back room.
0: But it's not really even the back room. It's kind of like the main room. And I'm thinking at this point, I'm like, what are Medfield's like vice laws? Because we've got horse racing. We've got this huge gambling thing. And uh, at first, I'm thinking like this is a legal establishment. I'm like, what's
3: going on in Medfield, man? Higgins and Collins good roll in, realize that it's a gambling joint and immediately a raid takes place <laughs> and they all get arrested with Dexter and AJ's goons.
0: This cop that comes in, I don't know what was up with him, but he sounded like he was drunk. Like I couldn't tell if they were trying to make a joke or something. He's, he sounds really weird when he's like, you know, telling everybody to stay still. But I just, I can keep going back to the fact Garibaldi's is the worst criminal front ever because it's like the most <laughs> yes. obvious thing I've ever seen.
3: They got good pizza though. Yeah, apparently Great, best the best town. pizza
0: come for yeah. the pizza, stay for the gambling. I hope they serve the pizza on a, like a roulette wheel. <laughs> that would be like nice theming.
3: <laughs> Dexter is sitting in jail now realizing that he's made some wrong decisions hanging out with AJ and that dangerous, underworld of medfield college or whatever the town of medfield i guess is where they are um, collinsworth and higgins are just to the cell next to him and they're fighting over who's going to get De- dexter now and everyone wants to take advantage of poor dexter
0: this convo gets deep this is a deep convo with him and yes Chilly. yes
1: yeah. i wrote that too
0: everyone's just out for himself it gets very real it's yeah. like, yeah, you stick with me, kid. Yeah. Well, who are you looking out for, man? Oh, yeah.
3: After a heart-to-heart with AJ's goon, Dexter finds out that he's been bailed out. As he walks out, he notices that his friends have all come to bail him out. And they're the only ones doing an unselfish act. They are putting up their own money to help Dexter out he realizes who really cares for him and he decides to join the college knowledge team with his friends. And that wraps up what I believe was act two. A guy that craves and
0: amazing, otherwise saves the whole darn human
3: race. Making the news, and his Jews, that turned all up tight, that out of sight, totally together, computer antenna, shoes.
2: Yeah, there's a, we got a debate about this. There's some controversy here, Uh listeners, because yeah, as you know, we split the, these movies up into acts, and um and we're doing this episode a little different you may notice where one of us is kind of taking each each act and so uh, it was my privilege to get to do the the third act and uh, when when i saw where the guys were robert ended i was like i don't feel like this is the, the end of act two uh, i feel like that still keeps going but um we can have that argument or we can uh you know just kind of see where it goes what do you guys think
0: I don't know we'll have to see. You you got to make your case as well, as you go. Right.
2: Okay, well, uh, all right. Okay. I will. Let's do it. Let's get into where Robert thinks Act 3 should start. Act 3, according to Robert, starts with Dexter just reading encyclopedias, like nobody's business, as his friends time him. A strange alarm uh lets them know that someone's <laughs> there. What what was that? It's a fire they engine told,
3: siren. Yeah, but but
0: like a big siren on the wall for the doorbell. I love all the decor in like they're not in a dorm. They're all like living in like a house and it's got like super 60s decoration everywhere. They got like a (laughs) Jefferson airplane poster. Yeah, I I thought was really far out.
2: Yeah, Yeah. really swinging joint. Yeah, so that alarm goes off and it's Professor Quigley who just stops by and uh, says he needs three more students for the college knowledge panel. And the dean has already given his own suggestions for great candidates, but Dexter suggests three of his own friends. In order to keep Dexter happy and prevent him from leaving Medfield, Dexter's friends join him as they, the Medfield Lions. Have they always been the Lions? This was the first I had heard of it because I don't think they
0: mentioned it in Absent-Minded Professor. So, yeah, this was a first. Yeah, and there's definitely a
2: color scheme change. Uh, that goes on. but Yes, definitely. Okay, yeah. So the Medfield Lions are taking on the Lockhurst Bulldogs. And Dexter says it doesn't look good for him to keep answering all the questions, so he tries to get his teammates to answer using information that he provides. However, they just get confused, and Dexter says that that's the last time he'll do that as we see the newspaper headlines showing Medfield winning and moving on to face Patterson College in the quarterfinals. Now let's fast forward to that match, and Dexter identifies some fine art paintings. And one particular one is a nude descending a staircase <laughs> in, in, which, and to which one of his friends says that it would never make Playboy. Goodness. I couldn't believe that. I couldn't believe that joke. It's
0: happening.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Man, they're I, getting I just...
0: edgy after Walt's gone, man. Yeah, truly.
2: <laughs> truly. So then here comes Dean Good, and he tells Dean Higgins that Dexter should withdraw because he's an intellectual freak, and it's not fair especially since it's clear his teammates aren't too bright. Dean Higgins dismisses this request and uses it as a chance to kind of poke at his rival. Then, as Medfield takes on Franklin in the semifinals, AJ Arno is watching on TV.
3: Why is the mob watching the college knowledge tournament? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, yo, quick turn on the college knowledge tournament. It's going to be good today. (laughs) Self-enrichment, boss. (laughs)
2: <laughs> maybe they had some money on it i don't know yeah maybe so <laughs> like laying
3: bets on the college, college. <laughs> a lot <laughs> of action
2: in medfield yes yeah, right that cuts a lot of eyes but
0: they're betting against alonzo hawk he's betting on <laughs> he's right. not seen but he's there <laughs> betting on it
2: mm-hmm. while correctly answering a question about cider dexter begins repeating applejack which puts him into a mechanical trance where he starts spouting out apparently random words and beeps and boops and figures and but in reality it's, it's just a callback you know earlier in the film when we found out that, you know the a.j arno had been running the gambling dens and applejack was his codename so dexter got triggered with the applejack term and is now spouting out all this private information while on television arno of course freaks out and uh and i think he's, he's getting tailored isn't he Yes. He's got a tailored suit. suit. Yeah. Yeah. Nice tailored suit. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) As his, and as soon as he notices, he has his operations shut down and says they need to put that kid on ice. Oh yeah. Yeah. Got that again. So Now we know this guy's tough and he instructs his right hand man, Chili Walsh to kidnap Dexter. (laughs) Chili. Chili. Then later that evening, Chili catches up to Dexter. Who's, you know, they're friends and they're buddies, but now he, he Kind of has kinda, he's a bit tougher with him and uh, he says, Uh, hey, Dexter, you need it, you're coming with me. And but Dexter was on his way to Annie's, and anyways, Chili takes Dexter to this house in a remote location. Now, Annie, who for some reason reminds me of Liv Tyler in Um, That Thing You Do, uh, <laughs> yes, and, and yes. she has about Perfect. the same acting, same about same acting range. Uh, As Liv Tyler. Sorry, Liv. Thing. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh The others... <laughs> heard and the others report Dexter missing to the police. Dean Higgins is convinced that Dexter has been kidnapped by Collingsgood, who's quickly dismissed by Lieutenant Hannah.
3: All that After- taxpayer money, man. Just dismisses it.
2: <laughs> Afterwards, we see Pete and Annie analyzing a recording of Dexter talking so strangely. Pete and Annie... Quite easily conclude yes. <laughs> that that it's because the information in the computer is now in Dexter's brain. I That's mean, that was quite a jump to get to. Very. Yeah.
0: They're like Applejack, AJ, AJ Arno, nailed yeah. it.
3: I want to also back up. They have a recording of him reading the Applejack line on a reel-to-reel recorder. Yeah. So. Yeah. Was, somebody somebody taped it off a TV. Just happening to be taping the live television. <laughs> get the audio from that, <laughs> just a, in on case. On a, get the audio.
0: Yeah. Hey, Jeff and I used to hold up our tape recorder to the
2: TV. And true. Stuff that's true. That's well, true. true. Somebody <laughs> probably held up a recorder to a monitor in the studio and recorded it that way. <laughs> <laughs> probably so. <'cause laughs> that's how
0: you get the really pure audio. That's yeah, right. Yeah. Nice clean up.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, and old Pete comes on strong here. He like factors in just all of a sudden it's just. Pete time. I said it's like the uh, young Lucius Malfoy Chronicles. Yes.
2: Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. Yeah. So they figured out that Applejack stands for A.J. Arno. Easy, and there's a good easy. gag. Yeah. And there's a good gag here with Skyler who walks up to them and says, hi, but is just completely ignored until Pete tells him to take the tapes to the police and explains the whole situation to him. And then so Skyler goes to the police station. And as the lieutenant listens, to the tape and he Skyler tries to explain to him and both the lieutenant and his partner just don't seem convinced as, uh, as the other folks.
0: I love uh, at the end of the scene, when Skylar leaves, one of the cops says you're seen anything like that before. <laughs> like, <laughs> nope. <laughs> it uh, seems
3: like uh, I found it. Yeah. Weird that they're being so dismissive of the uh, a that Dexter's missing he's mopping the floor in the college knowledge tournament and goes missing. So every school in the tournament ought to be a suspect at this point. And they're like, nah, you know, it can't be the mob boss. I mean, he wouldn't be tied up in any of this. Yeah. I, yeah. Just, I thought they, yeah, they, but
0: there, oh. there isn't a list of usual suspects for a quiz bowl kidnapping. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> and also, so again, I mentioned him before, but Pete Renaday here is the detective is weird to see. Uh, henry the bear from country bears yes uh, doing detective work very good
2: so pete and annie follow one of arno's goon happens to be chilly again to the house where dexter's being held they sneak around the lookout and see dexter picking winning horses from the newspaper and and another goons calling the bets in all while eating from a large <laughs> bucket of fried chicken yes,
0: i love uh, this This bucket of chicken with, like, wood grain
2: (laughs) on the side is so good. Now, I was curious why. I didn't didn't understand that until I I rewatched this scene the second time. And he says, now, the only reason that Dexter's helping out and and, and helping him out with the bets and stuff is because if he doesn't pick the winning horses, then he doesn't eat. And so I was like, okay. (laughs) I remember being hungry a lot in college. I'd go along with that.
0: Yeah, yeah there were yeah things i would have done in college for a bucket of chicken would
2: yeah yeah things that involve do. criminal enterprises for sure. in college <laughs> yeah so yeah the the movie it, it kind of takes it has a little dark humorous turn right here as dexter's yeah. you know of course looking like a chipmunk with his cheeks stuffed with that sweet golden fried chicken <laughs> oh, he overhears the uh the henchman talking about how they're supposed to kill him and send them to pretty the bottom casual of the about lake. it
3: too i mean <laughs>
2: yeah but then they're like oh we'll just go fishing afterwards
0: yeah but he's like Is it it not see uh, we're not in
2: season yet you're like "Ah, oh, we'll risk it <laughs> Yeah, they're worried about yeah one's worried about getting caught by a game warden after they just dump off a body yeah just we're here funny. to dump off
3: a body and do some fishing. <laughs> <That's funny.
2: laughs> so back on campus pete and his friends who aren't afraid of a couple of bullets in the old gut figure out they need to do something, and they can't rely on the police. Pete tells Henry and Miles that they still have to show up to the college knowledge panels to represent the team. Now, here, that, to me, is where Act 2 should have ended because now you've got Dexter is missing. If you follow the patterns, it's like, okay, Act 1 sets up everything. Act 2 puts them in the worst position possible, and you're like, how are our heroes going to get out of this situation? In act three is how you resolve all that. So that's my argument. That's where act two should have ended. When Dexter <laughs> is missing, and they're like, How are we going to get him out of there? Huh. So But then you wouldn't have gotten to talk about the fried chicken. So yeah. that's true. All right. That's good my thing.
3: argument is that the first act was him becoming the computer, the second act of him overcoming his uh arrogance and realizing who he is and what he's about. And then the third act is him conquering uh, the tournament. Yeah. So the tournament started when when I handed it off to you.
1: So if yeah. anybody has a script to the computer <laughs> war tennis shoes, we'd love to
0: see where the real acts fall. Please, please yes. let us know. Or a copy of Joseph <laughs> Campbell's Hero of a Thousand Faces. <laughs> <laughs> Consult, check the chapter about computer war tennis
2: shoes. <laughs> so the next day, Pete and Annie have disguised themselves as painters along with their friends. And they say, they how is been, this the plan? Uh, how
3: old? We're here to paint the house gag. It, it, yeah. worked, for, it worked
2: for Cluzo. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, they show up and say they've been commissioned to paint this house where Dexter's being held. And Chili is pretty, quite easily convinced that they are legit.
3: Hey, they check out. <laughs> I made a phone call.
2: And the kids keep painting, but are ready to pounce as soon as there's any sign of Dexter.
3: We should mention
1: that they're painting, like, uh, olive is, I mean, it's kind of like day glow green and orange. It looks like a a blacklit haunted house. And I just wonder where they get the
0: the supplies from let
1: alone it was
3: on sale <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah
0: i was waiting for him to say like somebody's uncle owned a paint company or something <laughs> for because the, they've got like a truck with like a ton of like it's real super like, painter equipment year. yeah yeah, they look yeah legit. really legit yeah and uh like the it, like all their like outfits and stuff but then i love that chili's just like okay you know you're painting the house orange and green and you got an invoice so it must be real yeah.
3: The truck had Medfield something on it. It had Medfield a, painters. Had a, yeah. Uh-huh. So they 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 stole it from De- some. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. But so back at the college knowledge panel, which is just a fun thing to say. <laughs> Skylar is still trying to explain the plan to Dean Higgins, who's not too thrilled that his star student is missing. Dean Collingsgood is <laughs> is happy as a clam that Dexter's nowhere to be seen and as Michael said earlier, he delivers that great line, Eugene. <laughs> when called <laughs> so a worm. Good. Oh yeah, when he's called a worm by Dean Higgins and is accused of being the one behind this whole thing.
3: What I don't understand is there's a kidnapping taking place from the star of the college knowledge tournament, and they're like, Yeah, we're going on. We can't right. stop now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's
0: like Oh yeah, well, I well, we got We got to we got to wrap this up. We let's cannot just, let's wait. just do it. Yeah. Just knock this out and go home, kids.
3: Got 100,000 dollars riding on this thing. We got to get it done. Yeah. Jumping
2: back to the house, AJ Applejack Arno arrives and is <laughs> PO'd that there are, are there's painters there and he decides to vet them himself and he makes a phone call. But uh, but who would have hired the painters but him? Is it isn't it his house? Right. <laughs> right. <laughs>
0: Like what? Like no, I don't know. My maybe my boss, maybe somebody <laughs> hired wife it. <laughs> called it in. But yeah, this phone call he makes is great because he basically makes a phone call like out of this movie and into Animal House. Yes,
3: <laughs> yes, exactly. That's exactly what I.
0: It's like he calls Peter Regert from Animal House. Uh, you get
3: Sherwood Forest, Robin Hood speaking. <laughs>
2: Yeah, so I I guess they were told to only answer the phone one time and say that they're a real paint company.
3: Yeah, well,
2: Skyler picked
0: it up before because he was in on it, but then I guess they figured that that was that and didn't tell everyone else in the house to be on the lookout for calls from mobsters. Yeah.
2: Well, now that Arno knows that they aren't real painters, he and his men put Dexter in a trunk to get him out of the house without being seen. But then they're suddenly assaulted by saxophone music and college kids with paintbrushes. And then, <laughs> then Pete and the guys accidentally drop Dexter, who's in the trunk. Who's in that trunk. Yeah, they, dro- yeah. they drop him out the window. Jeez. From
3: the second story. Yeah. Yeah. On his yeah.
2: neck.
1: Yeah.
0: Like, he's in there with his neck, like, tilted at, like, a 90-degree angle. <laughs> like, snapped
2: his neck.
3: <laughs> with blood coming out of the trunk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: So... <laughs> They quickly load the trunk onto the truck, and Arno and his boys come after them, and they cue the chase scene music. Oh yeah, yeah. Bow, bow, yeah. Bow, bow. Uh, Benny Hill music would have been good here. Yes, yeah, I feel yeah. like a little Yakety Sax or something. But yeah. uh, so Arno and his gang are driving Dexter's uh, hot rodded dune buggy because they couldn't get any of the other cars to start. Well, and yeah, so I thought
0: that was pretty clever of them to put uh, put the paint in the gas oh
1: was that out. why okay yeah. yeah
0: they said uh they had put paint in the gas tanks of all the other cars so i thought that was clever
2: hmm. it's a good use of paint
0: you also don't see uh dune buggies anymore right right this is a very uh classical dune buggy form
2: yes <laughs> yes so the chase begins and uh and arno and his guys they, they begin shooting at the co- the college kids and using what looks like a, a p38 did <laughs> you, did anybody else catch that i just thought that was strange that i was well trying. yeah
3: i thought yeah i didn't i didn't know it was a p30f it was a luger at first but it,
2: it may have been it, it just first which, looked, which
3: would have been out. an interesting choice for mobsters as well But anyway. <laughs> yeah
2: <laughs> yeah maybe they're tied to the rocketeer mobsters who knows <laughs> <laughs> anyways the, the kids are desperately trying to open the locked trunk containing dexter while also attempting to slow down their pursuers using the remaining paint buckets on their getaway truck and that must have been some slippery paint because uh you know they really yes yeah gonna you know, spin out a little bit there Gotta watch out for that paint is pretty I, I light. Did, yeah but i do want to say it, it's a i thought it was a rather good chase scene and there's some great stunt work that happens in there Yeah, it's not all blue screen. They do some, like,
0: real driving here. Yeah.
3: Also, I'd like to give a shout-out to the stunt coordinator, Dick Warlock.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, uh, I mean, he deserves a shout-out just for that name (laughs) alone.
3: (laughs) But he also did the stunts for the Cat from Outer Space as well. Ah, Oh,
2: there (laughs) we go. Great stunts in that one. Unfortunately, that paint isn't enough, so Pete and the others just start chucking everything off the truck towards Arno until till Bradley uh, does anybody notice who Bradley was no Bradley was little Timmy from uh, Lassie
0: hmm.
2: oh yeah he sure um, was yeah wow okay yeah so anyways Bradley fires up the paint cannon which is on a truck I'm not really sure yeah, why this is fun that. and uh, just schlacks Arno and his men resulting in them crashing into a haystack and upsetting an onlooking cow um <laughs> And soon thereafter, the police realized that Skyler was telling the truth, and they go to arrest Arno. So now the pressure. There's really- a great line
3: there with the cow, though. I thought with uh, with AJ because he, he looks up at the cow and goes, "Yeah, shut up."
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I have to admit <laughs> that I was expecting, you know, I, I guess just because it's Caesar Romero, you know, I was kind of for some reason thinking there's going to be like a little bit of a Joker thing with the paint kind of getting on his <laughs> face. <laughs> I don't know that. They got him with years. that red all over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but anyways, now the pressure's really heating up on that Dexterless Medfield Lions back at the College Knowledge Tournament. As Springfield State, led by young Ed Begley Jr., <laughs> is yes. up forty-five to nothing with time running out. Um, the Medfield Painter's getaway truck soon arrives at the tournament with Dexter, but uh, he's showing signs of something being wrong, and before they can. Get Dexter ready to participate. Springfield State is now up 115 to 20. So in that time I wonder period, about I,
0: those 20 points. Yeah, I exactly. really wonder.
2: Good job, guys. They got one answer probably right. Uh, I wonder which one it was. So anyways, the competition continues now with Dexter, and he returns to form answering the questions correctly, but something is clearly wrong with him as he struggles to make complete sentences. Computers,
1: now, man. They're going to fail you every time.
3: This whole sequence is maybe uncomfortable for some this reason. This is
0: super painful.
1: Like, it is. Oh,
3: gosh, yeah. He's
0: like like red-faced and straining. It is
2: super awkward. The way I would describe Dexter's breakdown would be the, kind of like if Porky Pig had a baby with Jodie Foster's character from the movie Nell. <laughs> and then that progeny <laughs> was trying to explain what mm. they learned after <laughs> watching PBS all day. Yeah. Oh, kind of wow. like that.
0: <laughs> That is a vivid picture you paint, my friend,
2: and <laughs> not far off. Yeah. Yeah. So, anywho, who, Dexter is, uh, eventually has what many consider the greatest comeback in college knowledge history and puts <laughs> the Lions in the lead going into the final minutes of the tournament. But, uh-oh, he finally breaks down completely just as Springfield regains the lead. <sighs> Bad timing. Then, when all hope is lost, the final question is asked. Oh, by the way. Did you guys notice who the moderator was? I recognized him from somewhere, I did but too, I didn't but it yeah. up. It's Pat Harrington Jr., who was uh, from One Day in a Time and played Dwayne Schneider, the, uh, the Get super Get out. Guy. Yeah, same guy. Crazy. Yeah. yeah I, was, I was like, I know that face. I just couldn't place it. He just wasn't greasy enough. So when all hope is lost, the final question is asked, and Dexter has returned to his regular human brain self and has nothing left in the tank. But that's when the real hero of the movie, in my opinion, gets his moment. <laughs> Skyler knows the correct answer, and, and he rises to the occasion to make Medfield the winning team, and he wins the $100,000 prize. And, you know, it's, it's true what they say, guys. Big-time players make big-time plays.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I like how they
0: play this out, too, with like him telling Dexter, it's like, no, you know this. I've told it to you like a million times. And he's like, wait, I know this. And I love when he stands up. He's like, I know this. The guy's like, well, sit down and tell
2: us. <laughs> but I, I I'm a little serious about the the actual hero of the movie. I mean, Skyler's the one that takes the tapes to uh the police and tries to explain everything. And then he's also the one that helps them. He answers the phone when Chili's trying to vet
3: the yeah. painters
2: and then you know, he comes through here. I mean, he is the uh what's he's the norm of Avatar. Yeah, norm. He, He's the norm of this He's movie. Here. <laughs> Without him, everything
0: would have fallen it's apart. True. That is it's a very true. good point.
2: Yeah. yeah. Say so, hey, was well not so fast as Medfield celebrates their victory. A paint covered AJ Arno and his men arrive to get those pesky kids. Dexter and the others speed off, and before Arno and his crew can get to them, and the, you know, then we have a crash headfirst into the pursuing police. Arno and his guys classic and- medfield situation here yeah exactly. that is a classic medfield gag for sure
3: yeah i really wish that they had the same cop from uh absent-minded professor would have been with added. his coffee yeah <laughs> with his coffee would have been added a nice little nod there yeah
2: disney sure does like their car crashes i mean freaky friday's got car crashes Boatnik's oh, yeah. got car yeah. crashes i mean it's a good uh, plot device man i guess so so strangely, even though we see the police surround Arno, it's not exactly clear what happened to him. Because all he I mean, he just thinks he's just had a crash and he just proclaims that I have insurance. And that's <laughs> it. That's all we see of Arno at that point, which I thought was very strange. It is odd. They don't really sure. tie that one up. Gotta wrap it up. Yeah. But, anyways, we're now back at the Medfield College meeting room. And Dean Higgins is still complaining about money, even though they just got a hundred thousand dollars.
3: Tax money, man.
2: Yeah, Professor Quigley, who's not satisfied with just recently getting an expensive computer, is now wanting an electro-helio spectrograph. Jeez. Spectrogram. What's that going (laughs) to do? Yeah. And Dexter and the gang continue to listen in again via that discreetly placed walkie-talkie, and they're disappointed when Higgins suggests spending the prize money on upgraded plumbing. (laughs) And then finally, Annie tells Dexter if, if they do get an electro that he shouldn't fool around with it, and there's laughs all around and the movie is complete.
0: That was really a laugh to freeze frame kind of joke. Yes. Yeah. yeah yes. True. The end.
3: And you said that I was done on the studio there at the studio a lot. Oh yeah. Yeah,
0: that's uh their Those little exteriors. meeting places on the little porch uh at the commissary there.
3: Okay.
2: Where you can sit out and have lunch. I want to jump back to the the quiz or the college knowledge thing. Well, did you guys notice how often they said the phrase that is absolutely correct? <laughs> no, I didn't. No, I didn't yeah. pick up on that. They say it over and over and I just thought that was just a strange thing to say. I don't know. It's it's interesting. Absolutely correct. Yeah, that is absolutely correct. Until the very last, the only time they don't say it is when Skylar gives the correct answer and they says, the game, the host says, yes, that is correct. Whoa. Uh, this is like, yeah. feels like a code or something, man. Yeah, same, exactly. So <laughs> it's very formalized, <laughs> the rules
0: for college knowledge.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, that wraps up the computer. War tennis shoes. Gentlemen, it is time now. To rate this movie using our specific rubric. Tonight's rubric. Robert, what you got for us?
3: Well, this movie took place in 1969. The style back then was, well, unique, we'll say. And one of those unique styles were turtleneck sweaters. So our rubric tonight is turtleneck sweaters.
1: You got to love them. I mean, I would just wear them all the time. Oh, me too missed missed my time anyway let's get into it boys plot and writing how many turtleneck sweaters are we going to give this thing andy go for it
2: i think uh how many turtleneck sweaters do i want to give this plot i think there are some elements of the plot as far-fetched as the whole computer it's like reverse tron or reverse matrix or something like that but i think i'm going to give it a i I want to give it a four but i'm going to stick with a three
1: okay robert Mm. how many turtleneck sweaters are you going to give this plot in writing
3: um yeah it's not it never was a four for i never came close to i mean it was between a two and a three for me but i watched it three times over and I started enjoying it more the third time. First time I watched it, I thought, "Okay, Andy's going to hate this movie." That was my first knee-jerk reaction. <laughs> and then
2: I love surprising.
3: And then, <laughs> uh, but I'm going to go ahead and give it a three as well. I, it wasn't quite as bad for a two, but uh, not certainly never was in, a, in the consideration for a four for me. So
1: it was never a four <laughs> for for Robert. Uh, I'll go next and I will give it a two because
0: just because. Michael. I'll give it a three find it, uh, middle of the roadie. And although there were a couple of like weird things
2: that made me laugh. So, uh, that's always good in my book. That's really strange. I'm really surprised by these. I'm surprised that I enjoyed, I was able to like, uh, it's, you know, it's not very realistic, but I, i was able to enjoy the plot more than you guys which is a
0: yeah no it's a fun idea and well it's different because like i like i've seen this movie like as a kid like a bunch so it's not as new to me so Mm -hmm. it's probably not as fresh but i mean it's a fun idea and it's yeah uh i mean i gave it a, a a strong three okay definitely
3: hmm
1: it's like a it's like freaky friday kind of situation here going on uh casting and acting we're combining these two now so uh i think we'll start with michael here
0: well uh as as jeff we decided to combine these two but as jeff said before we started it this is one of those movies where it's almost two different things uh i find the casting a lot more strong than the acting um especially among the students Ah, that may be a little unfair uh they're all they're all pretty good there are just a couple of weak links his girlfriend isn't doesn't really you know make much of an impression but uh you know there's so many great character actors in this that it's always fun to see them like goofing around and uh so i'll give it i'll give it a three as well i'll piggyback off of that because i agree pretty much with
1: you And I'll, i will go ahead and say that i thought the casting was stronger than acting you've got to give credit for the Kurt Russell, you know, like the career he would go on to have and the way Disney developed him. I think that adds some extra oomph to the, to the score and the great character actors. Again, I I thought the acting was a little bit, eh, neither here nor there. So I'll I'll go three Robert.
3: Well, I'm, I'm reminded of the great character, Michael Scott, who when he had to summon up uh, his acting ability, he quoted as saying, Kurt Russell, eat your heart out. And um, so Michael Scott felt like Kurt Russell was the, the epitome of fine acting. <laughs> but I got to disagree with Michael Scott here. Uh, I mean, I thought he was fine. I mean, he did nothing. He did. I, I cringed at, but I just fucked overall the acting was just kind of, yeah, um, it wasn't quite a three. I'm going to go with a two. For the casting and acting.
1: Two. Uh, and Andy. Well, how many how many, tur- how many turtleneck sweaters would you give this thing? I,
2: I would not give one. I would not give two, but I would give three turtleneck
1: sweaters. All right. Okay. Moving on to production value. I will start this one out and I will give it a two. I think it was fairly low budget. I enjoyed uh the Disney studio a lot, but the fact that they used that to me kind of showed a low production value um, you know the Disney historian uh, I liked in, in knowing that that plane was the uh, Walt Disney's plane all oh, that's great uh, the higher higher notes for all the uh, the cars you know the the dune buggy and the you know special fantasy car uh, that that gets that gets a point in my book Robert how many turtleneck sweaters do you give the production value here
3: i give it a two as well i really wish they had done some more nods to, to medfield as a you know as a callback to other movies that had used that setting and they didn't give hardly any besides the name yeah
1: it felt very um, disconnected from that the other yeah so i'm with yeah. you
3: uh there there were some 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 nods that i liked but overall it just was it was a two not wasn't, wasn't anything to be excited about
0: uh michael yeah i'll go to two two as well uh i in a lot of ways it feels like a much smaller film than even the absent-minded professor uh which was like really an effects driven film and shot at the college you know this had that one like static establishing shot of medfield but the rest was on the studio lot and it Really did feel a little more on the budget side. The car chase was good. I mean, that was a little bit of business, uh, but the rest just kind of felt kind of small. So two.
2: And Andy, I, I think I liked this movie then more than you guys did. Uh, I'm closer towards a three, so I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna go with a three. I thought uh, for its time, uh, I thought they did a rather good job. Uh, so I'm gonna go with a three.
1: Okay. We will end up with entertainment value. I'm going to go right back to you, Andy. What you
2: got? I enjoyed this movie. I again, I went into it not knowing anything about it. When it took that turn towards a, a crime, uh, you know, that crime plot, I was like, "Ooh, this is interesting." Um, I, I, as I said earlier, I I was I don't quite understand what the tennis shoes and the computer part have to do with each other. But uh, I, I, overall, as silly as it was, and you know, as far fetched as it was i i enjoyed it um it did not make uh college recruiting look good at all (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but uh but yeah i thought it i I thought it was fun so i I guess i should give it a number um i'm gonna give it a four on the entertainment okay all right
1: Uh, i think i'm gonna send it to robert next robert entertainment value
3: um everything's been in the middle of the road either a, a three or a two uh i was i was more entertained like, like i said the second and third time i watched it I, it's been a long time i watched this maybe when i was like eight it was on the disney channel many many years ago when i was a kid and i hadn't seen it since so it was nice to pick it up again and kind of re- remember some of it but um i'm kind of I'm, I'm leaning a little towards a four but i think i'm gonna stick with a three
0: Okay, Michael. I am definitely going with a four. Uh, I, I think it's a f- it's a fun movie. Like people make fun of like movies from this era as being like the sort of formulaic comedy, but I mean it's a fun idea, and like everybody's fun in it, and there are a lot of fun faces. And again, go back to these actors that show up and. I like the feeling that they create of this world. Like in, in the later Dexter Riley movies, I mean, Skyler's in them and it's the same kind of actors over and over again. So I, I like that it has a, a fun, silly story, but it also has like this group of people. It's not just Dexter, you know, it's this, you know, everybody, a lot of people chipped in to, to what was going on. And, you know, Cesar Romero is a fun villain, fun bad guy and it's always fun to see him pop up so Uh, yeah. yeah i just think it's really entertaining so yeah four for me and i will end up
1: and i something is just off about that this movie for me and it always has been i've always kind of been confused by this movie as a kid so and and i like a lot of the pieces but something doesn't come together to make it entertaining for me so i'm gonna give it a two which I know, I don't know why it's it's just boring to me. And I think that the uh, sequels or the parts of the trilogy, I I like more than this one. Uh, For some reason, it just does not come together for me. So I will be that guy. So that's all right. Here, Somebody's got to be here. Comes the moment where we might uh, go into infinity, but we do need to punch in, the computer wore tennis shoes into the computer that wore tennis shoes here.
3: Robert, are oh, wow, you are yes. you ready
1: to do this?
3: I'm I'm ready. It's I'm firing it up right now. It is. He is picking I the. I there's a
0: uh, lady in a bathtub that's also a car. <laughs> yes. yes.
2: <laughs> Man, it's, maybe it's there's a stack overflow, <laughs> a fault error. <laughs> you know, we you know we really should have done this starting with zero. And zero, <laughs> one, two, three, yeah. and, and four. That would have messed up that computer for sure. Yes. Yeah.
3: Our total for the computer that wore tennis shoes is a two point seven five. That puts us at number six out of nine for overall ranking.
1: There you have it. It's a it's a low score for the computer wore tennis shoes.
0: Michael, what did Leonard Malton say about this movie? You know, I had a hard time finding it. Leonard Maltin saying anything about this movie. The closest I could come was a, a quote on IMDb, which, you know, may or may not be reliable, saying that he said it was the first of a series of cookie-cutter Disney comedies, which I don't think you can blame it for that. If it's the first, right, then it's not a cookie-cutter <laughs> comedy. It's stating the, the obvious first.
2: there, Leo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: So... That may or may not be what Leonard Malton thought about this movie. Nice try, Leonard. Well,
1: (laughs) that will wrap up this movie. Any final thoughts, gentlemen? I think, you know, we are back at Medfield college. We may be back here again with these characters. Uh, Any final thoughts?
3: So Andy, I got, I do have one question. uh, So you're, you work working in the computer industry. Yes. And you've, you've taken computer courses before. Correct. So how, how accurate uh, was that computer class? Did you guys do experiments like that when you were, were taking your your computer science courses?
2: Uh, yeah, it, it, I felt actually like I was back in college. It was exactly <laughs> like that.
1: <laughs> I think this is part of my like my yeah problem with this movie is it as a child watching it as like i'm so confused about what computers do because of this movie and then it's like oh well <laughs> now i'm mad because this has nothing to do with reality i thought this was like
0: more factual and and yet uh it doesn't like open the door to let the cat in I I think a lot of people at Disney were confused about the difference between high school and college.
3: Yes, yeah, <laughs> there seemed to be some confusions there. Yeah, with the uh, the dean having the PA and that sort of thing. Yeah, <laughs> right. their standardized and tests, the tests and their crunchy yeah,
1: sandwiches.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, so that's the first episode of season two in the books. We have an exciting one coming up next. We're gonna stick with our computer theme. This time, instead of the computer traveling into Kurt Russell's brain, old Jeff Bridges, he's going to travel deep into a mainframe in the Disney classic Tron. I am excited to talk about Tron, boys. Who all has seen Tron? Everybody's seen Tron, right? Yeah. I have Tron.
3: not seen Tron all the way through.
2: Whoa, really? What? Yes. We watched it together in college. Well, you had to have watched it.
3: No, I didn't. I've, I've, I've only seen like, I mean, I've seen it probably at all, but I've never seen it sat down and watched it from start to finish. I started to watch it from start to finish as a kid when it was on the wonderful world of Disney. My mom was, this is boring. And turned it off. That sounds, that sounds <laughs> so, right. Yeah. That's, that's on, that's on brand. Computers. Sure. <laughs> so yeah, I've never, um, never seen it from start to finish. So I'm. Wow. Well, that's exciting.
1: This
3: will be. I up. remember when you got it, Andy. Yeah. You're real excited. But I, I don't. If, if I watched it, I do not remember it at all when we watched okay. it in college, if we watched it in college.
1: So there's a lot to talk about with Tron, so I'm excited to get into that next month, so stay tuned. Hey, Andy. Yes, sir. What do you think about that new season two graphic design Todd Napperick cooked up for us? It changed my life when I saw it. Woo-hoo. Talk <laughs> about the computer that, well, I don't know. Anyway, Todd's back for season two. You know, we would look pretty bland without his dedication and hard work behind the scenes. Hey, don't look bland with your graphics. Get Todd to get you some branding or rebranding. He can do it all. Branding, rebranding, whatever. If you don't know where to find him, he's at Upwork and BindandGraphics.com. B-Y-D-A-N-D-Graphics.com. Todd is going to make you look good. Season after season.
0: So from, He's a seasoned professional. Yes, he oh. is. Yes. <laughs> yes. Freeze frame.
1: <laughs> so, from all of us here at Medfield College Film Society, to all of you, we wish you well as always. We look forward to seeing you next month with Ron. So long, folks. Proud are we of Mighty
2: Medfield How dear. All your sons and daughters hail to me. Medfield College of Technology. And
3: while
2: we hold your banner high, Ha we shout your praises to the sky, rah, rah. For proud are we
0: of mighty Medfield, loyally
3: we cheer. Medfield.